You know, impossible situations occur in each, each, each and every one of our lives. When I say impossible situations, I recognize the scripture said in Philippians 4 that all things are possible with God. I recognize that, but we occasionally find ourselves in situations that seem impossible, they feel impossible. It's hard for us to know the end from the beginning, right? I know that. I started with impossible situations. We recognize that, that, that with God all things are possible, right? Yeah, when it comes to our lives and things that happen to us, uh, things that we find ourselves in the middle of, uh, sometimes they feel impossible. Uh, situations that come up, you know, I don't know, I, I don't know if, if anybody believes this, but uh, there are some people out there that says that if you're a Christian, nothing bad is ever supposed to happen to you. And if something bad happens to you, something comes into your life that's not so good, it's because you're, you're sinning. Okay? You know, and, and the thing is, is I just don't see that in Scripture. I recognize we reap what we sow, but the truth is, is life, you know, you've heard the expression, life happens. We're, we're raised up, we're going to school, uh, we, we meet and we fall in love, and, and, we, and along the way we have children, we go to school, and we have work, and we have all kinds of opportunities, and in the midst of that there are these interesting points of joy, there are these interesting points of, of just blessing, and then there are these things that, that we would rather do without, a sickness, an un, obviously an unplanned sickness, there's no such thing as a planned sickness, but an illness, uh, um, an unexpected uh, problem with our job or our school or our uh, relation, uh, relationship that we're in. Uh, you know, I could, I could go on, but you get the idea, and, and it just covers life. Life happens as we, as we go through there. But we're not, uh, we're not to live as leaves that simply are like, you remember, I don't know about you, but as a child, uh, we always were making our own toys, and one of the toys was after a rain, there was a gutter. And it was water flowing in the gutter, and we made boats and stuff. And uh, but the gutter took the the rain and the the rain water would wash that leaf or that little toy, whatever we we made a boat out of, wherever it wanted to go. And God doesn't God has intended and has given us tools that that's not where we live. Okay, does that make sense? And I, and I know I'm, I'm kind of I'm kind of being basic here, but I'm finding that we need basic. We need to be encouraged and, and, re, and, and encouraged not only by the pastor but by the Word of God that says that we're not alone in this world and that we're not an accident and that we don't live on accident. You understand when I say live on accident? Just, we're not just blown uh, leaves to be blown by the wind. Okay. Um, when it comes to uh, uh, situations that are impossible, there are many ways that we deal with these. Okay, the, the, or the, the, the crazy situation, the impossible situations that come into our lives, sometimes we retreat. You know? I was talking to somebody this, uh, this, this week, and, I, and I've said this before to other people. I says, you know, um, guys retreat when their wives get mad. And where do they retreat? They go to the, they, that's why they make garages <laughs> and basements and backyards, you know? So, so when we're, when we're <laughs> yeah, somebody's saying, that's me, that's me. Yeah, and we laugh because it's true. Sometimes we retreat when situations get beyond where we want to deal with them, okay? okay? When, uh, no matter what it is, we, we retreat. When I say we retreat, we don't, it may not be a physical retreat, but maybe an emotional, physical retreat, and we're, we're just backing away. 
Yeah? You, you might be, in, a, you might be in, in the room, but you're not there. Okay? Uh, another way to deal with impossible situations, we become aggressive. That's me. And I'm, I've known this. In fact, I was in seminary, and about halfway, about three-quarters of the way through seminary, I was in a Presbyterian school. And so everything, you know, not everything, but a lot of stuff that, that I uh, didn't, didn't that, that I believed, they didn't believe, okay? Had some issues. But I was okay with that. But at the same time, I was working 10 hours a, day, 10, 10 hours a night at, a, at a, a metal fab. I was a metal mechanic, uh, welding, doing all this 10, from 4.30 to 2.30 in the morning, and then um, get up and go to classes every day and pastor too. And I had kids, and I, I had, a, had a wife and, and two children, and I was going, you know, it's like, so, so anything that came at me, my response was, I got aggressive. And I remember a seminary, I was almost my senior year, uh, the, you know, the seniors had to sit down with this board of people, and they said, Bill, why are you always fighting? So I understand, when things, when things get impossible, I have a tendency to fight. And some of you do too, Right? Uh, other ways we, we deal with uh, uh, situations that seem uh, uh, impossible, we throw money at it. You know, I, I've done that too. I've done that too. I've got, you know, one of the great things about Valley's downstairs with the children's church, but this woman is like numbers, everything matches. Okay? It's like she will sit and fret over 10 cents that doesn't fit in the, you know, in other words, the, the bank book didn't, 10 cents, I'm thinking. Forget, is it a positive variance? I'm looking for a positive variance. If it's a positive variance, we're good, right? Okay, that's the difference in me and her. But the thing is, is because she's that way, you know, my credit scores are like way up here. It's her. And so what I do? When, when something came up, yeah, I got all this credit. I, got a, I just throw money at it. Just fix it. I still have that tendency. Anybody, anybody like that? Dads? You know, you know Papa Warbucks? Yeah, maybe not. Maybe not. Some of you, but you know, it's like we're going to fix it. I'm going to fix it. Yeah. So we respond to impossible by fix uh, by any any way we can. It's just like okay, this is one way we can we can do it. We're just going to throw money at it. Another way to deal with it is simply to cry helplessly. <laughs> when a situ- you find yourself in a situation that's impossible, you cry helplessly and just boohoo and 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 just. Uh, or you find a friend for advice or commiseration, right? Yeah, we've all done that, right? Uh, or you take shortcuts. Not every, not every situation uh, calls for a shortcut, but some do. When a relationship doesn't, isn't, isn't panning out, but you want the relationship, uh, young girls will give in. Shortcut. Okay? Young boys will do the wrong things too. Shortcuts. Impossible situations. I can fix this. I can solve this by just giving in. Okay? Shortcuts. Shortcuts with money. I'll just borrow this for the moment. And I'll pay it back. That's a shortcut. No one will notice it. And I'll get the money back in place. And it'll get me through this impossible situation that I'm in. Okay? Some people deal with with impossible situations by getting drunk or high. And they start at 14 dealing with every impossible situation by getting drunk or high. And by, by, the, by the age of 40, they're still doing it. And they've, got the, and they've got the capacity to deal with issues and problems of a 14-year-old. 
and they're 40 years old. Because they never learn some things. That's just a side note there, okay? But we deal sometimes with impossible situations or pressures by getting drunk or high. Okay? Or we eat ice cream or some other comfort food. Okay? Or we grab a book and go, go hide in another world. Yeah? Or we watch movies, one movie after the other. I, you know, I, one of the interesting things, and pardon me this long introduction, I'll get to the passage in a minute, but I'm setting this up. I mean, uh, I, I go to the library, which is a place where you're supposed to read, right? It's supposed to be for, in, uh, for increasing intelligence and cultural uh, connectedness. And, and I see people walking out with a stack of uh, free v- uh, DVDs. I don't get a book. Yeah. We're going to go to anesthetize ourselves because the issues in life, I'm, we're not going to deal with them. Okay? I got a couple stories. I don't know if you want to hear them. Okay, okay, okay. Two men were, who lived in a small village got into a ter- terrible dispute that they couldn't resolve, so they decided to go to the town sage. And the first one, they went in there together. The first one laid out his thing, uh, laid out his side of the story, and the sage said, did one of these numbers said you're exactly right the second guy comes in there uh, and, 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 and he says you're absolutely right he, and the second man comes in and he lays out his side of the story and the, the sage says well you're absolutely right now the sage's wife was listening to this and I can, I can see I can see kind of Billy Crystal and the other little you know this is like you know, and, and, and the lady jumping, his wife jumping on him says, they both can't be right. What are you trying to do? He says, you're absolutely right. <laughs> some things defy our wisdom. Uh, some things really defy our wisdom. Tommy Lasorda, this is the second story. I like this. He's the former, uh, some of you remember him. Some, somebody, you remember Tommy Lasorda. Uh, he was a, a manager for, for the Dodgers baseball. He had some... He said he described his battle with bad habits, okay? And he says, I took a pack of cigarettes out of my pocket and stared at it and said, who's stronger, you or me? Uh, The answer was me. I stopped smoking. I took a vodka martini and said to it, who's stronger, you or me? And again, the answer was me. I quit drinking. Then I went on a diet. I looked at a big plate of linguine and clam sauce and said, who's stronger, you and me? And a little clam looked up at me and said, I am. And he says, you can't beat Linguini. Okay? Okay. All right. Okay, enough of those stories. Now, the, 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 point, of, the point is, is and, and this is where, where I'm going. And this is kind of a setup. You know, it's like whenever we play golf, we, we, we take a few swings, and we put the ball down, and we take a few swings, and then we adjust the height, and that's what I've just been doing, okay? Um, the, we believe, we, one of, this is the We Believe series. We believe that we're really in deep trouble without God. Now, I'm going to lay this out a little bit for you, and I think you'll get it. I, I know you'll get it, because we walk in this, this, this path of life, uh, and, and as if you're a believer, if you're a Christian, you, you, you will certainly get it. And if you're not a believer, if you've never given your heart to Christ, I want to give you an opportunity to do that today, okay? Uh, so if you've come in here, uh, you might stay burdened with stuff. There's no reason that you have to walk out of here in the same way that you came in. Passage that's going to kind of blow your mind, and because it, it always blows mine, is Romans, the seventh chapter. And I'm going to just jump right in with verse 8. Okay? 
But sin, taking opportunity through the commandment, produced in me coveting of every kind. For apart from the law, sin is dead. I was once alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin became alive and I died. And this commandment, which was the result of life, which was to result in life, provided, uh, proved to, to result in death for me. For sin, taking an opportunity through the commandment, deceived me, and through it, killed me. So then, the law is holy, and the commandment is holy, and righteous and good. Therefore, did that which is good become a cause of death for me? May it never be. Rather, it was sin, in order that it might be shown to be sin by affecting my death through that which is good, so that which... That, so that through the commandment, sin would become utterly sinful. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am flesh, sold into bondage to sin. For what I, for what I am doing, I do not understand. For, for I am not practicing what I'd like to do. But I am doing the very thing I hate. But if I do the very thing I want to do, I agree with the law. Confessing that the law is good. I'm sorry. But if I do the very thing I do not want to do, I agree with the law. Confessing that the law is good. So now, no longer am I the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, my, in my flesh. For the willing is present in me, but the doing of good is not. For the good that I want... I do not do. But if I practice the very evil that I do not want, but if I'm doing the very thing that I do not want, I am no longer the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. I find then the principle that evil is present within me, the one who wants to do good. For I joyfully concur with the law, with the law of God in the inner man. But I see a different law in my members, in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin which is in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will set me free from the body of this death? Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, on the one hand, I myself, with my mind, am serving the law of God, but with the other hand, but, but, but on the other, with the law, with, with my flesh, the law of sin. Now, now, I don't know if that bends your mind. If it doesn't, read it in the King James. That'll bend your mind. But you see here, uh, and, and, and I'm, <laughs> there's no way I'm going to unravel all of this. I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to simplify it because I need it simple. In living in this life, I need it simple. I know that the law of God is good. Okay, God's righteous. God's holy, right? But you know what? It's kind of like this. It's kind of like a nice white sheet, a really, really white nice sheet. If I stand up against it, you'll see my color. And the same is true. God's law is good. God's law, God, God's will, God's desire for you and for me is holy and righteous. And, and, and you know, if, you, if you've given your heart to Christ, you're saying, yes, right on, God, holy. Don't sin. Don't do this. Don't do that. And, and live this way and do that way. And then you, then you look in the mirror and you find yourself doing the things that you, wouldn't, that you don't even agree with. And this is what Paul was wrestling with. When you see this, 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 you mind this consternation in his voice when he says, Oh, wretched man that I am. It's the recognition of, of there is a helplessness there. Uh, we've often said, look, if we could do this ourselves, we wouldn't need Jesus. Yeah, you get it? 
I'm not saying that we shouldn't have, we, we, there, there shouldn't be some effort toward holy living and those kind of things. Absolutely, and we'll get to that in a minute, but the truth of the matter is, what I see in this passage is that there is a war that's going on inside of me. Anybody, you know, anybody get that? That God speaks to your heart and you know the right thing to do and you read his word and says, do it this way. And you, and, and you look in the mirror and say, man, I agree with all that, but how am I going to get from here to there? I mean to throw any, anybody any curveballs. First of all, the, the law, the, the word of God is right and holy, but there's a conflict within Thank God there's a conflict within. I tell you what, when I was, before I knew Jesus, there was no conflict within. Woohoo! You know? Just, you know, uh, eat, drink, be merry, for tomorrow we die. And I had no, con- no, no, no sense within me that, that, was, that there was an issue. How much could I get? How far could I go? Throttle down. Here was the interesting thing. I accepted Christ in my life. I said yes to him. And all of a sudden, the conflict began. All of a sudden, those things which, which once were second nature to me caused, caused a, you might say, a visceral reaction within me. I said that right. It's like, ooh, I remember, and I've shared this with you before. This is a small thing, I'd say. A 19-year-old jarhead, you know, walking through the, 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 the open squad bay. You know, it's like in Mosquito City in, in Okinawa. And, 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 we're walking through there, and, and I had given my heart to the Lord maybe the night before. And, and I, I don't know what happened, but somebody said something, and out of, my, out of these lips poured a torrent of, of obscenities. Now, under normal circumstances, that wouldn't bother me at all. But something had happened to me the night before. The Holy Spirit was present in me. In other words, this thing that Paul is saying, in my mind, I want to do the will of God. All of a sudden, that was present within me. And I, and, and I stopped right dead sinner in, 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 in that, that open squad bay. And I prayed. I said, God, if I'm going to live for you, I can't talk like that. Now, that's, a, that's, a straight up, that's a straight up answer. That's a straight up prayer, isn't it? And it was also an appeal. It says, look, it was an appeal that says, well, I don't know where it came from. Well, the scripture tells me that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So there was some stuff that needed to, needed to come out. And so later on, almost the same thing happened. I said, I looked and I just stopped and said, God, attention here. If I'm going to live for you, I recognize I can't talk like that. Like I said, this is kind of a small thing, but it was a big thing to me at that moment, that time. God was working. And, what did he, and, and you know what? Here's the, here's the cool thing. This doesn't always happen every time. Boom, gone, gone, completely gone. Like real miracle times, okay? That it's like something that was second nature to me was gone. Yeah, amazing, amazing. But the power of God is available to do those kinds of things, but the conflict was immediately there when the Holy Spirit came in. Because now, he says, what did he say in in Ezekiel 33? And I I shared this with you. He says, I'm going to take your your heart of stone out, I'm going to replace it with a heart of flesh, and I'm going to write my law on it. And no one will even have to tell you what is right or wrong. You will know my law. See? That was the point. But that immediately created the conflict because in my flesh there was something else. And the scripture calls it the law of death that was working. Okay? I hope I'm not getting complicated. This is a complicated passage of scripture. But the solution is always God's. And the solution for me at that little point in my life was God. What did I do? And in my simplicity, in my ignorance, 
No one, I hadn't even been church. I didn't have a pastor. I didn't have people who, who taught me. I didn't have any of those people. But in my ignorance, in my, in my ju- uh, juvenility, I simply, is that a word? But I, but I said, <laughs> I, I, I reached out to God. God, God, I'm helpless without you. God, I need you. God always provides a solution. Even if you go back. Remember the impossible situation with, with Abraham and Isaac? Now, some of you are saying, whoa, turn the, turn the Bible back. Abraham, God goes to Abraham. There's no, there's no book written. There's no, he says, look, I, want you, I, just, I know I just gave you your son, but I want him back. I want you to go to, to the mountain that I appoint you, and I want you to offer him up as a sacrifice to me. See? And, you know, remember, Abraham just meets God, and God tells him what to do, and he does it. And he takes Isaac up. He, he, in fact, here's the interesting, here's the picture. Here's the picture. He puts the wood on Isaac's back. Does that picture remind anything, remind you of any other picture in the Bible? Jesus carrying the cross. Get to the top of the mountain. I mean, we're hoping for, for a better ending, all right? Okay? We're hoping for a good ending. Uh, Isaac doesn't know. But his dad, dad ties him up, puts the wood down, and Isaac's probably getting the idea now. Getting the idea. And, and Isaac looks at him and says, Dad, where's the sacrifice? And, 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 and Abraham says, God will provide the sacrifice. God always provides the solution for our needs. God always provides the, uh, the, the solution for our, you might say, those, those uh, issues, those, those concerns, those impossible things. Things that are not possible for us. God provides the solution. But here's this cool thing that we have to do. We have to call out to him. We have to call out to him. He says, he, the scripture says that there is no sin under, under heaven that, that, is, that, is, that, that hasn't been, you might say, fomented before. So it's, it's, everybody knows about these things. He said, but with every temptation, God provides an avenue of escape. What do we, what's our role? Take the escape. <laughs> There's the door. God provides the door. Our role is simply looking for the, the, the escape hatch that God gives in everything. God provides the solution. Now, know this. Here, here we go. Uh, as a pastor, now this has got to have practical things. Because you and I, we, in, in, in the midst of our living, if, we're, if you're a believer, if you're a Christian, many of the things I've said to you, you get. The conflict within. You want to do the right thing sometimes, you don't do it, Right? And that brings guilt, that brings, you know, self-loathing sometimes, right? Concern, you know? And, and, and it, that's a hard place to live. That's a really hard place to live, unless you know some things. And, and what my point and my purpose as a pastor is to help you live for God, and to help you to live successfully for God. And I can only do that with, with the tools that God gives me, and that, that's this word, and this is the truth. So you always begin with truth. As we, as we recognize this wrestling that takes place within us, as, as we know to do right, but we find, it, we find it impossible, or we find ourselves doing the wrong things, even though we know the right thing to do. We've, we've got to begin with the truth. If you're going to be successful, if you're going to, to live for God with, you might say, almost guilt-free living. How about that? They usually associate that with a diet. Guilt-free eating. 
guilt-free living, living in victory. You begin with the truth. Romans 3.23 says, For all have come short of the glory of God. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every person in this room. Every person outside of this room. So we all start in a place where we cannot help ourselves. Number the, the second truth is, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. In other words, God will give us eternal life, but without him the wages of sin is death. Now we talked about, we've talked about the ransom, we've talked about uh, the sacrifice, we've talked about what Jesus did for us. Okay? We understand that, but sometimes we renege on that. We backslide and, on, and we... we, we, we Here's the hard part. Sometimes we don't think his sacrifice is enough. You might say it, but you don't live it. We don't think it. Okay? And let me, let me clarify that in just a minute or two. We begin with the truth. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. In John, the first chapter, verse 12, he says, But as many as received him, Jesus Christ... To them he gave the power to become the sons of God, even those who believe on his name. 1 John 1, 9, 1, 9, I love this one. If we confess, this is the truth, and you've got to begin with the truth. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous and just to get, forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Okay, sin destroys, but God saves. And the way that we get saved is we believe and trust in him. It's, it, he said, I, I'm going to make it so simple that even a fool can't err in this. That's as simple as it is. You need God. He provided a Savior. Trust and believe in the Savior. Done deal. Done deal. Yet, here we have this, this conflict. Okay? How do we deal with this? I like this other, this other piece of truth here. Romans 8, 35. You know, I, you know, I, I started out kind of Armenian. And I'm more and more on the other end of it. Because I, I, the older I get, I was talking to Debbie this morning, the older I get, the more I, I believe and, and trust in the security and the power of God. Amen? Can you go with me on that? Okay? Uh, and, and Romans eight thirty five. Who will separate us from the love of God, love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword just as it, is, as it is written for your sake we are being put to death all day long we are considered as sheep to be slaughtered but in all these things we are overwhelmingly conquerors through him who loved us I'm convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord okay you catch this You catch this. You've got to grasp this. You and I wrestle with things. We wrestle with sin. Do we not? Do we not not wrestle with, I mean, we know what God wants, and we find ourselves from time to time not doing what we know is right. You know, so you get it when, when Paul says, Oh, wretched man that I am. You might, you know, in the in the privacy of your own home, in your car, you might say, Oh, wretched person that I am. You know, if we're not careful, that can go. That if it ends there, if it ends there, we're lost. If it ends at that point, there's no redemption. If it ends at that point, there is no, there is no cure. There is no solution. 
But thank God. And Paul says, uh, he, he says it this way, Thanks be to God who has saved us, who has delivered us, who has laid himself down for us, who went to the cross for us, who provided, when Jesus said, look, I have not come to do away with the law, I have come to satisfy it. I like that word better than fulfill it. I have come to satisfy the law. The requirement of the law. What's the requirement of the law? You sin, you die. So Jesus stepped into that, you might say, into the dock on that one. For you and for me. How effectual was that? Did that just kind of go for the first few months you were saved and now you get, you're on your own? Now you've got to work it out yourself? God gives you a kind of a kickstart and then you've got to figure it out yourself? Is that, is that how it works? No, but that's how many of us live it. You're, you're not, you're, you, you, the scripture says you're saved by the grace of God through faith, not of works lest any man would boast. How powerful how long-lasting, how deep, how wide, how efficacious, that's a kind of an interesting word, how effectual is God's blood? Is that thing that he did for us on the cross, how effective is it? Like I said, does it take you for the first three months, the first year, and then you kind of have to work it out yourself? No. Yet, what do we do with this tension, this conflict? Now, some have just said, well, you know, hey, I'm saved. I can live any way I want to. I don't see that in the Bible. You know, I'm saved. I'm saved. I, I gave my heart to Christ, and, you know, I'm, I'm good, you know. So, so let's belly up to the bar. Let's live just like we did before. Let's just, you know, in other words, the only thing that's really changed is I've given my heart to Christ. There's no desire. Most of us, the Holy Spirit within us, will fight against that, resist against that. And, and how do you wrestle with that? Okay? You first got to know how about, I was speaking to a young man this week. God's forgiven you. If you've given your heart to Christ, if you confessed your sins, you've asked him to come into your life, he's forgiven you. In Christ Jesus, done, done deal, done deal. You know, you know who accuses us? We accuse us. We accuse us and the enemy accuses us. In fact, his name is, a, is a accuser of the brethren. Did you, did you know that? And you feel those, you sense those, and sometimes you agree with him. And, and by agreeing with him. I'm not saying that we shouldn't feel sorry for the things that we do that, that are not right. But to live in that. And not to embrace grace. Not to embrace salvation. Not to embrace and say, and stand up and say, I am saved. I, I am I'm under, the, under the shadow of his wing. I have been covered by the, by the blood of the sacrifice of Jesus. You know? Not to do that and say, for some reason, yeah, 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 yeah I'm, I'm not so hot, and da, 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 is to, is, to, is to somehow diminish the sacrifice that he made for you. And, and also, it doesn't lead to satisfaction. It doesn't lead to victory. Standing in his grace, embracing his forgiveness over and over and over and over, and recognizing that his forgiveness is that deep, it's that wide, it's that far-reaching, that you cannot outmatch his grace, his love. Now, but how do you wrestle with stuff? How do you, you know, Paul says, I die daily, and I, I mentioned this. And so there's, there's conflict, not only internal conflict, but how do you bring yourself? Again, God offers the solution. God provides the solution. He always provides the sacrifice. He provides the way. And I like this way. Philippians, the fourth chapter. Rejoice in the Lord always. 
And again I say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be made known to all men. The Lord's near. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever is true, whatsoever is honorable, whatever, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good, of, of good repute, if there's any excellent, if there's anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, Paul speaking here, practice these things and the peace of God will be with you. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last you have revived your concern for me. Let's just skip down to the last verse. Uh, verse 12. Let's go to the 12. It says, I know how to get along with, with humble means, and I know how to, also how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstances, I have learned the secret of being filled and both going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering needs. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Here's the solution. Here's just some practical stuff. Practical stuff. I want you to fight. I don't want you to just give up. I mean, first of all, know that God has saved you. If you've given your heart to Christ, God has saved you. That's a done deal. You can count on that. <laughs> you can count on that. You can rejoice in that. You can revel in that. From the foundation of the, of the world, this was God's plan for us. That we would receive forgiveness. That we could be filled with His Holy Spirit. That our lives could be changed. But yet, here we are, fighting. Fighting some things. What to do? If you've never given your heart to Christ, give your life to Jesus. I know, I'm standing up here kind of in a suit. I discarded the coat. And we we really judge each other according to how we're looked at, how how we appear. We do. This, this is a sad thing, but it's a human failing. I want you to know, I want you to know that I am in need of His grace. I'm in need of His salvation, in need of His strength. I remember, and I, I mentioned that time when I was that young, 19-year-old jarhead. I didn't know. I just started a journey with Him. I just knew I was sick and tired of living the way I was. And all the things that I had tried and all the things that I'd done opened the throttle. There was something missing I was unhappy. It didn't bring me the kind of like internal peace. I don't know what I was looking for. I just knew that it wasn't working and I wanted something else. I remember going to this thing on a, a Sunday night. People have been talking to me. I mean, God sends people your way. You know that, don't you? You're not here by accident today. I remember some of these other young Marines talking to me. And even though I, I was, we was on firewatch duty, it was dark as it could be. I couldn't, you couldn't see your hand in front of your face. The guy was standing there talking to me. And I couldn't look at him because God was dealing with me. Many of you understand that. I remember the night when, when they said, well, would you like to give your heart to Christ? I said, yeah. And in the back of my mind, I was just thinking, I've tried everything else. I really hadn't, but I'd tried enough. And I was ready and willing for something else. A simple step. Simple step. I said, God, I want you. I need you. He always provides a solution, doesn't he? <laughs> Always provides the solution. All, he says, and the scripture tells us that those who are in Christ Jesus are new creatures. New creation. These new creatures, they're new creation. God makes all things new. And for believers, what's it say here? Give your lives to Christ. Trust that when you do, he really will save you. Go ahead and wrestle against the sinful inclinations. Using the tools that he's placed, and I've talked about those as your pastor. I'm saying, you know... Get in the Word of God. 
Get on your knees. Focus on Him. Fellowship with the people of God. Wrestle against the inclinations using what God's put in your hands. And rest in the assurance that God has you in the palm of His hands. And as you wrestle, sometimes disappointing yourself and others, His love and His patience doesn't fail. (laughs) Victory is already yours. Did you know that? Victory is already yours. Stand with me, please. As we worship, I want to open these altars if you're here and you've never given your heart to Christ, never really given, you know, you've kind of, you prayed, but, you know, you're still in charge and it's not working out so hot for you. Or you've given your heart to Christ before and and you look at your life and you're not, you haven't really been living for him. Rededicate yourself. Start anew. Start fresh. If you're a believer and, 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 and and you're in concern over your issues and your failures or what you see as failures has has battered you and you're living in a place of of self-condemnation and self-loathing, God does not want you there. He has given, he said, it is for freedom that Christ set you free. Now what do you got to do? You got to embrace it. You've got to believe the word of God. It will not change. Heaven and earth will pass away. This will not change. He loves you with an everlasting love. He does not change. Your names are written in His book. He knows you. The very hairs on your head are numbered. You are His delight and His child. The apple of His eye. Let's live that way. Let's live that way. Let's throw aside. Let's throw aside the condemnation, self-condemnation. Throw aside the, the condemnation of the enemy. And simply listen to the presence of the Word of God. Who says, yeah, okay, if you sin, what's He say? If you confess your sins, He's faithful and just. Done. He forgives them. Gone. As far as the east is from the west. Restored. Strengthened. Filled with the Holy Spirit, if you will. If you will walk with Him, if you... Again, what's the solution? God, I need you. A simple, a simple, a simple prayer. Whether it's a, whether it's a college professor who has, a P, who has three PhDs and teaches New Testament in Greek, he still has to say, God, I need you. From the child, from the child who is down in Sunday school right now that, doesn't, that hardly knows how to tie their shoes, God, I need you. It's the same. It's the same for you. It's the same for me. He said he'd make it simple. And he said that if there's a, if there's a glowing ember, I won't even put that out. He said, I'll make it simple and it's for you. Yeah? All of this is for you. And all you have to do is reach out to Him. Is there anybody here who wants to give their heart to Christ? Never, never did that before? Let me see your hand. I'll, I'll pray with you. Just, I mean, that tugging that's going on inside your heart, that's God. I want you to know that. That, that uncomfortable feeling, that's God saying, come, 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 come. I got business with you. Let's do it. Let's do it now. Let's do it now. <laughs> that's God. I'm confident that He's speaking. If you need to rededicate yourself, go Come and find it if you just want to pray. If you want to take this uh, truth that God has, has kind of nailed into your heart this morning and just kind of seal it up, come and pray. Come and pray. Don't, don't feel ashamed. God's in this place and He loves you. This is His home. This is His house. This is a place where he want, that He has made for you. And His presence and His power is for you.